You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, y'all. This is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Hash Street High Heat, uh, the final regular season episode of the season, which seems crazy to be three seasons in. Um, obviously, not the best season for our nationals, but we have so much to talk about. Um, tonight, I am joined by Ryan. Nick cannot make it. So it'll just be the two of us. And uh, you can follow Ryan at We Are All Shack. You can follow me at A White 7877. And you can follow the show at Half ST High Heat. And make sure you're checking out the website, which is so full of good stuff right now. Uh, Monty has been killing it. I saw him tweet a little while ago that he's taking a break. And I'm like, I, I picture him like falling exhausted onto his couch and like sleeping for a week after all of the writing and <laughs> tweeting he's been doing this weekend. You know, Monty uh, did an unreal job. I am sorry. I'm just going to, I'm going to inter interject right here and just a big props to Monty. He's the backbone of everything. I have to give my homie some props. Absolutely. He has been killing it in general um, on the website, but this, this uh, last little, bit of the season here he has just been completely on fire and uh thanks monty we love you so how you been uh, a little bit of a crazy weekend around baseball yeah to to say the least um life's been busy it's been it's been a little while since i've done the podcast episode actually i feel like it's been like two weeks or something um but i am back on the pod um i went to the nats game on saturday it was my last game of the year it was gorgeous night. Got my nachos, sobbed while I ate them, knowing I have to go like 300 more days without it because who knows what's going to happen to the CBA. But there were a lot of Red Sox fans there, which like, which I expected going to it. Like I went with Yeah, my but butt. it sounded like a Red Sox home game. <laughs> oh they got my a big hit. God. Like, God. So my, my buddy's a big Red Sox fan. So like him and I were going and I was... <laughs> I was like, you know, there's probably going to be like majority Red Sox fans there. We were seeing third base side and the entire third base side was Red Sox fans. But like, again, expected big fan base. They're fighting for the playoff lies. But it was kind of cool just because they reacted to every single moment, kind of gave like a playoff atmosphere. Like when Jordy Mercer struck out, they went nuts. And then like Tanner Rainey got lit up and he walked off the mound to let's go Red Sox chant, which was kind of funny. But like it kind of gave it like a little bit of a playoff atmosphere and a meaningless regular season game for the Nats because their fans were really into it. And it was cool. Um, a lot of great Boston accents, which I just very much enjoyed. But yeah, it was it was a good game. Yeah, I, um, I it's funny, like you sort of feel embarrassed when your team is, you know, when the other team has such a strong showing in your stadium. But I do have to say it was kind of fun, you know, having meaningful baseball played in your stadium, even though it's not meaningful for you, I would have liked to see them have some dignity and, and not blow the save today. I mean, and it was, it, I, I was a little embarrassed when Tanner Rainey, you know, left the ninth after blowing it and the entire stadium was just echoing. Let's go Red Sox. That was a little bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a little tough to watch, but I will say that, um, I saw somebody saying sort of midway through this game, like, Oh, the nationals are America's team. Now we're all rooting for the nationals. I was like, Oh, sweetie. 
<laughs> don't do it to yourself. I can tell you once the bullpen comes in, it's over. And sure enough, once the bullpen came in, it was over. This bullpen, I mean, we're not going to really talk too much about next season because we've got the whole off season to, um, to talk about that. And we're going to need content because there won't be baseball to talk about. But um, yeah, bullpen is absolutely putrid. They're a complete embarrassment. Yeah, you know, just, that, just a little bit <laughs> just a little bit nothing more to say nothing more to say so let's talk wild cards so now it's set we did not unfortunately get the chaos we were all dreaming of um the yankees won today and so did the red sox so it is a yankees red sox wild card which if we hadn't all been dreaming of this incredible tie breaking chaos scenario uh yankees red sox wild card game is pretty freaking awesome yeah, that's that's a good one. I'm I'm excited about. It. We get Garrett Cole versus Nathan Eovaldi. Nathan Eovaldi, big game. Nathan, we saw what he did when the Red Sox won the World Series in 2018. Garrett Cole got that 300 million dollar contract, so that's gonna be a fun one. Yeah, it is gonna be a fun one to say the least. Um, lots of drama on not as much on the National League side as well, but the it's gonna be the Dodgers and the Cardinals, the hottest team in baseball against a team that. It you know has has it 106? Did they finish with 106 wins? 100, 106 wins. Yeah, the Giants yeah. won 107. Think about a 106 win team being in the stinking wild card. It's insane. And there's been lots of talk about whether they're going to change the playoffs. You know, just playoff uh, format now that we're seeing the Dodgers potentially get eliminated after winning 106 games, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. But um, yeah, high drama on both wild cards. It is going to be so much fun to watch. I'm excited. Um, so I think for the NL, it's going to be Max Scherzer versus Adam Wainwright. Adam Wainwright is probably going to go seven shutout innings because the Cardinals have Black Devil Magic. But to make my final predictions for this, I am going to say that the Yankees win in Fenway uh, six to five. I think they're going to be some late inning heroics the Red Sox bullpen is also very very bad Yankees bullpen is kind of good and Garrett Cole you know Garrett Cole's kind of good um I kind of want to say yeah I I kind of want to say the Cardinals win just because the memes would be really freaking funny if the Dodgers lose but I don't see the Dodgers losing so I'm going Dodgers beat the Cardinals I'm going to say that score is 4-3 All right. Well, I think you're probably right in both of those predictions, but I'm going to predict the opposite because I hate the Yankees and the Dodgers more than any two teams in baseball. So I'm going to just predict what I want to happen, which is St. Louis wins in the NL and Boston wins in the AL. And uh, then I would like to see Boston lose to Tampa. And I would actually love to see the Cardinals go on and win it all. I don't think that's very that's very likely to happen, but I would love to see them go through the Dodger 106 win Dodgers and then the 107 win Giants. But yeah, that'd um, be that'd be nuts. Yeah. I think it'll be high drama, but I'm gonna say probably incorrectly that St. Louis pulls it out five to three, and that Boston beats, I'm gonna say that they beat the crap out of the Yankees. I'm gonna call it seven to two. Okay. All right. That's bold. I'm just going totally bold. That's I think bold. I'm probably wrong, but I want, I I'm going it. with a manifesting it into the universe. What I want to happen. I absolutely love that. And speaking of bold, um, I have a week in review and it was a unreal week. <laughs> Hell of a week. It was a fantastic week. This was a wild finish to the major league season before we dive on into it. Yankees broadcast. Yankees broadcaster, excuse me, Ken Singleton announces that he is retiring. Um, Minor league players say that their conditions that they're living with is a mental health crisis, and they do not think that even a union can help fix what they're going through. Uh, Tingler and other Padres coaches are expected to be let go from the coaching staff positions when the playoffs finish. Otani hit his 46 home run of the season on day 162, and he also has 100 RBIs on the year, finishing off an unreal two-way season. Marcus Simeon hits the most home runs ever for a second baseman. His teammate Vlad Jr. also hit 46 home runs, and that's the most ever for a player age 22 or younger. We had the potential for a four-way wildcard finish. 
Unfortunately, none of that happened. The Yankees first ruined it when they walked off the Rays. They secured a wild card spot. The Mariners were losing at the same time. Their late believe movement is done when the Yankees won. That basically ended their season. The Blue Jays took care of the Orioles handily, but they needed the Nats to win to make sure that they get a one That's a game, game. <laughs> a game <laughs> one sixty three playoff versus the Red Sox. Unfortunately, Eric Fetty came in, and the Red Sox came from behind against the Nats, and they secured the home field in the AL wild card. The Giants secured the NOS title, winning a hundred and seven games. They are frauds. Dodgers host the Cardinals in the wild card game, winning one hundred six games, but they'll be out. Clayton Kershaw and Max Muncy. Max Scherzer will start and. Unfortunately for them, now they only have nine All-Stars on the roster and Seth 11. To the NL East, finishing in last are the 65 and 97 Nats. They secured mm-hmm. the fifth overall pick. In fourth place are the 67 and 95 Marlins. They said they anticipate an active offseason as Jeter is ready to turn Miami into a winner. In third place are the 77 and 85 Mets. They had a full-blown collapse in September in a very Mets way. Big changes are coming from the Mets. They're going to contact Theo Epstein and are going to ask for permission to interview Billy Bean for their front office openings. Manager Luis Rojas is expected to be on the hot seat as well. In second place are the 82 and 80 Phillies. They made absolute history this week because they had the first winning season in over a decade. They already began organizational changes. They fired several key coaches and more are expected to be let go in the upcoming days. Bryce Harper was the eighth outfielder ever to have 100 or more walks, 100 runs scored, 30 home runs, and 40 doubles. He is their only good player, and this is going to be a brutal offseason for the Phillies as they have a lot of questions to figure out about what went wrong yet again. And the divisional winner are the 88 and 73 Braves. They faced the Brewers in the NLDS, and Charlie Morton was announced to pitch game one. That is going to be a fun series that begins on Friday. This has been your week in review. Make sure you guys head on over to T Public and search Half Street High Heat for all of our latest swag, designs, and so much more. This has been your week in review. Yeah, so absolutely. I mean, you just, even though that was a very thorough week in review, you like cannot even begin to touch on all of the small storylines and drama in the games. Like, I can't believe the Mariners couldn't i don't know i really wanted the mariners to advance and then it's awesome that otani had the game he had today but like you know putting the nail in the coffin for the mariners so let's talk about the nats who as you mentioned are in fifth place in the nle's for the second consecutive yeah putting that That championship field on the their team on the field as season so it's kind of crazy to reflect upon just you know it wasn't realistic to think that they were actually a world series contender at the beginning of the year but it it wasn't what where they ended up was definitely not on my radar so i think it's going to be fun to reflect on what was a wild season from our nationals yeah so this is this is our third season with the pod um you know 1931 winning a world series you know, then the entire world ends in 2020. We have that. And then we have, you know, the Nats, Whatever this is. <laughs> you know, completely tearing it down, trading backbones of this franchise, um, doing some shocking things, whatever the hell this season was, because it stunk. Um, I didn't have high hopes coming into the season. I was just looking at the roster. I just didn't see a way that they got over 80 wins. Like I legit thought they had to be perfect just to get 83 I didn't see 65 wins. I honestly thought they're going to be in 75. <laughs> um, but it was it was a really interesting season. It was kind of one that was very different for what fans are used to. You know, like this team came here in 2005, but they really went on the map in 2012. And that's when, you know, a lot of people started paying more attention to it. That's just what happens. And, you know, there's a lot of fans who've seen only winning and then, you know, Max is gone, Trey's gone, 50% of the roster is gone, and they win 65 games. So it was a very, very interesting year for a lot of reasons. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's that's all I got to say. Like, yeah. this was a very interesting year, and it was kind of hard to watch his team at some point, but now it's over. Now it's over, and uh, we get to think about next year. But as I said before, we will you know touch on that in other episodes. But um, 
you can't talk about the end of this year without talking about Ryan Zimmerman, who likely just played his last game for this franchise. Um, whoa, 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 pick. whoa, whoa. That's you. You need to talk about the fact that the Nats had a really special moment on the field. The Red Sox came into it and now it's for Alex yeah. Avila. Like, come on. <laughs> come on. We can't, we can't talk about Zim till we've talked about Avila, but let's be real here. Yeah. Um, well, the Nats do like to uh, give special moments to some people you wouldn't expect. We'll oh say sometimes we'll, we'll go down that route because we'll, we'll hear some serious grumbling from Ryan, uh, <laughs> but you know, nobody deserves it more than Zim. This I was fully expecting that Zim wouldn't come back. And there's been a lot of, he just hasn't made a decision. He just doesn't know. But when the game started today, his entire family, his parents, his siblings, is like this huge family section. Everybody was there today. Um, and then, you know, in the middle of the, when they pulled him, was it the eighth inning, seventh or eighth when they, um, I think it was the eighth when they switched him out. And they had just an absolute, if you guys didn't watch the game, um, those of you who are listening, you should go back and find it on YouTube. It was really a special moment. Um, you know, he stood on the field and the fans went crazy and gave him a huge standing ovation and he's clearly crying and, you know, touching his chest and, you know, thanking the fans and, and the Red Sox were really classy about it. They had their catcher, you know, walk out to the mound and have a mound meeting that went very long so that they could take the time to, to show Zim some love. But I also saw Jesse Doherty tweeting afterwards, after the game, it was probably an hour, solid hour after the game was over that, Zim was still in full uniform and on the field with his whole family taking pictures. And it feels like the end without a doubt. Yeah. Like coming, coming into this game, I was really thinking to myself, I was like, is this going to be Ryan Zimmerman's last start? Like when I was, I was at the game on Saturday and I like said to my friend, I was like, if Zim starts tomorrow, he's retiring. Yeah. Like he only got a pinch hit on Saturday. Um, well, he came as like defensive sub after that. I was like, if he starts on Sunday, he's retired. He's getting his one final at bat. And then he comes up for his first at bat and he's crying. You know, they kind of had the mound visit, like you said, which is really special. Um, and then he had the final moment where they kind of did that changing of the guard thing with Ian Desmond, with but it Josh, wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Like they did this back with Ian Desmond and Trey Turner. Josh Bell came out as that was like a ch- uh, changing of the guard thing. It was kind of a really surreal moment you know like zim has been with this team since 2005 and from 2005 can't i mean seriously you can't imagine it without him really literally you know obviously from a baseball perspective you know obviously it's you know he's not a huge part of the on the field you know product at this point you know he was in a platoon this year He, he obviously a much smaller role than we've seen from him in the past but um emotionally um he's in in just the psyche of the team and of the fan base like he's just a huge part of the nationals and it's it definitely feels a little sad feels a little sad yeah i mean for a while he was the only reason to get excited and come out to the ball field you know like he was an awesome in 2009 years. he was the only reason to come out to this game he was the only reason to spend money he was the only jersey like you would want for a lot of time and he was that beginning piece you know and as we got into the later years he started dealing with his injuries he started to slowly decline they got other superstars here and everything he was still the heart and soul of this team mm-hmm. you know and it's going to be really really weird if this is not it for him um he still wouldn't fully comment on if he's going to be back or not. And we have Matt Wyrick on this episode later, and you'll hear his thoughts on what Zim had to say after the game. He had a pretty probably logical approach to it, but it's really weird, you know, and whatever you think of Zim, that's kind of something where you kind of have to be like, damn, you know, like this is the end of an era. And what I think is going to be very interesting because most MLB teams don't retire jerseys unless someone is going to be in the hall. Sorry. Once someone's elected into the hall of fame, the Expos didn't retire jerseys unless players are elected into the hall of fame. I couldn't find what the Nats rule is on that, but I feel like the Nats are probably going to change their rule for Ryan Zimmerman. Cause they if they did, if they did like you're not going to retire less in the hall of fame. They're like, they're not going to retire number 11. So I feel like they're definitely going to change that rule just to like retire number 11 for sure you have to nobody should ever wear number 11 in, in this on this franchise again never and Zimmerman's not a hall of famer obviously but he's he's a Nats hall of famer he's like you said he just what he meant to this team there are some players that you can't quantify 
their contribution to a franchise by looking at stats. And he's one of those guys. Like he's he has meant so much to this team and to this fan base. And it's just, you know, you've got to you've got to retire his number without a doubt. So anyway, that was a little sad. I felt a little sad about it. And this season has, it's funny, you know, normally around the playoff, like in the other years where the Nats have missed the playoffs, I'm sort of just pissed and disappointed. And this year I have no anger or disappointment because obviously we had no expectations that they were going to be in it. So I'm finding that I'm just kind of enjoying watching the playoff scenarios play out much more than I normally do. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. You know, it's like having expectation free baseball with your team, but like your team's not there and it's going to be fun. Uh, Yeah. And that, well, that actually brings us to the next question, which is what are you feeling optimistic and pessimistic about for the future? Maybe just next year, or maybe just into the future in general. Um, So optimistic, I feel like Kibe Ruiz and Josiah Gray are the real freaking deal. I am very excited about their future. I think they're going to be great. Um, Luis Garcia pans out as going to be at best and will be average. That's really fine. Like <laughs> that well, he you... came out of our farm system, not the Dodgers. So. <laughs> I, I know. Like if, <laughs> if he's. If he's MLB average, like that's someone you can play every single day. That's fine. I think that's good. Um, It's going to be a process, but Ruiz and Gray, I am so, so excited about. What I am not optimistic about is overall the pitching staff and overall lineup. Um, Cardi Keeboom, now I'm a little little more worried about. Um, He's bad. He's batting below his weight, by the way. Like he literally weighs more than his batting average, which is usually not a good thing. Um, wow. Is that true? That's <laughs> dreadful. Yes, it, it is. It, it is. It is very sad. So not too excited about that. The bullpen is an absolute disaster, but the good news is the bullpen. I mean, relievers are really volatile. Like you can get two relievers and your bullpen suddenly great. Um, these contracts with Max and Stra- I'm not Max Strauss and Corbin, but yeah, the, the pitching staff is mainly what I'm not optimistic about heading forward. Yeah, I, I actually am more optimistic about the offense in general. I, I feel like some of these guys that we have on the lineup right now aren't going to be here next year, but um, the offense showed a lot of life in the late part of the season, um, much more than I expected uh, after the, the sell-off and teardown. But the pitching staff for the first time in a really long time is a huge problem for this team. And the bullpen, as you just mentioned, is an easier thing to fix if you're willing to spend some money. But the starting rotation, I have grave concerns about because Corbin and Strauss, I mean, we've talked about this at length. You know, we have no idea who Steven Strasburg's going to be when he gets back on the field. He slimmed down. You see those pictures? I did. I saw he was he was in the dugout hugging Zimmerman, if you need more evidence that Zim's retiring um, <laughs> after the game tonight. But yeah, he's definitely slimmed down, but I just have no, I mean, I seriously, I, I can't even say I'm optimistic or pessimistic about Strasburg. I just sincerely have no clue what to expect from him. Is he going to be world series MVP, Steven Strasburg, or is he going to be a, one, like you see so many pitchers who come back from injuries and are never the same again. I just don't know. And Corbin, he did. There was some improvement late in the season without a doubt, but he had an absolutely horrid season this year and in 2020. So now we've got two, I mean, he was great in the playoffs and, you know, in the season as a whole in 2019, but we've got now two years of not good from Patrick Corbin. So does he return to form or is, is he in a decline? That's going to be, you know, lengthy and steady who, who can say those are two humongous question marks when you consider the amount of money that the Nats have wrapped up in those guys. And what does it leave you to fix the, the other problems with the roster? So that's where I'm pessimistic is the pitching and what those albatross contracts do to the ability to address the other issues on the roster. But a lot of the young guys we have, I am quite excited about, particularly Ruiz, who really showed us what he's made of late in the season. I cannot wait to see what he's going to do next year. And uh, Josiah Gray, obviously which is a great time to plug our giveaway. That's only until tomorrow. So by the time you guys are listening to this, make sure you go and follow the uh, main account at half street high heat and uh, 
retweet the tweet because there's a signed Josiah Gray baseball up for grabs. I was really, I was really hoping you're gonna be like speaking of balls and then do the, the manscaped ad. Oh, you know, I should have. You know, Nick usually does the ad. I'm not that good. That would have been a great segue. Damn it. That's a missed opportunity. Much like the Nats giving us chaos today, they missed that opportunity. But you, yeah. our dear listeners, do not have to miss your opportunity because autumn is in the air, the pumpkins are in the patch, and our friends at Manscaped are here to make sure you are keeping things fresh this fall with the leaders in male grooming and their brand new fourth generation performance package. Gentlemen, get ready to take the leap into fall with Manscaped. You can join 2 million men worldwide using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com and you can get 20% off and free shipping with our code HSHH20, if you haven't already, which you should have, but there's always more stuff that you can get. It's time to bundle up with the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Crop Preserver Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Toner, the Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold all of your goodies. So if you haven't already gotten that, you should. Christmas is coming up after uh, the fall season. So make sure you're thinking about not only yourselves, but those around you. And uh, use our code HSHH20 to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Make grooming your priority this fall and thank Manscaped or and us for HSHH20 to get that great discount. And Brian, are you going to be giving those away for Christmas this year? Um, I am always giving things away for Christmas. I'm Shaq Claus. Well, I hope so. Shaq Claus. My sister, I should have said this during the ad read, wrote me just a couple of days ago and said, my, said that her husband's... Uh, razor had finally broken and they wanted to get a new one and asked for our coat so they got 20 percent off and free shipping look and at that too look at that look up the at fam that and speaking of the fam best friend of the podcast matt wyrick came on the show uh nick and i sat down with matt virtually and we had a nice conversation um we just kind of talked about the season what we can expect with the nationals going forward into the off season as some qualifying offers are going to be made for players they might be interested in we talked about the mlb playoffs and a whole lot more and we really hope you guys enjoy it what's up everyone we are now joined by matt wyrick of nbc sports washington you guys know the drill you can give him a follow on twitter at by matt wyrick and make sure you head on over to nbc sports washington to keep up with all of matt's latest pieces in all things nats matt how you doing man doing well guys thanks for having me on sad Absolutely. that the nats season is finally over although it might be a godsend at this point <laughs> I, was about to, I was about to say is, is, that a, is that a sad thing i mean it was <laughs> it was it was yet another eventful 162 games this team really knows how to have quite the season full of storylines um there was a lot going on baseball today but before we get dive into that i kind of just want to get your thoughts and reflections on the season the nats had you know with the high expectations coming into the season they end up losing almost 100 games what is the best way to sum up this season for the nationals uh, you know, I think the, the best way to sum it up is 17 and 42, which is the record after the trade deadline. Uh, you know, the Nationals were very up and down throughout the early first half. You know, obviously those, those high expectations uh, were heightened in June when uh, we had Kyle Schwarber go off on an absolute tear. I think something that gets forgotten in this season with everything that happened after. But, uh, you know, the Nationals pulled to within a game with the Mets. They were right there and they really just crumbled down the stretch. And, uh, you know, it, it was a, a combination of veterans who, you know, really couldn't come through uh, at their age. It was, uh, you know, a bunch of injuries that, that struck the team at inopportune times. And there was a lot of questions about depth coming into the year. And, and those really showed uh, throughout the year, you know, the, all the areas among the Nationals roster that they just weren't equipped uh, to handle all of those things that happened to their roster throughout the year. And obviously, too, COVID outbreaks uh, at different points in the year, one to start and one just before the deadline, those things didn't help. Uh, but either way, the, the Nationals decided to pull the plug and, and trade, you know, a good chunk of their roster, a couple of big stars. And the Nationals are now sitting on the outside looking in, set to have the number five pick in next year's draft. So 
uh, you know, we're, we're, we're focused on the, the youth movement now and the, not necessarily the win totals, but the performances of the players that might be building blocks for the future. And, you know, I think there's, there's a lot to like about this Nationals roster and definitely a lot of holes that still need addressing. Absolutely. And you mentioned all the building blocks that we have now that we really didn't have before the deadline. And, you know, that, that's a good place to be if you want to obviously build upon what was probably a season they don't really want to remember after all of the expectations and reality like you uh like you outlined but you know they had a chance to play spoiler or spoiler in the terms of they could have contributed to the chaos uh you know Kyle Finnegan dude just doesn't like closing it's good reliever doesn't like closing so that kind of put the you know the dreams to bed for any three or four-way tie for the AL wild card but anyways what do you what do you do next like what's what's the first step for the Nats this is seemingly you know from a fan perspective an offseason like no other they have so many holes they have their first legitimate really bad losing season in quite some time so what's the first step do you outline a you know free agent plan do you look for trades do you try to lock up lock up some internal pieces like what is the first step yeah, you know, you'd like to be able to say that the, the number one priority is going to be extending Juan Soto, but I, I wouldn't expect that to be something that happens right away. And considering, you know, just how much the that Scott Boris's camp is going to be asking for, we assume, uh, for an extension for Soto, it's probably not something that happens, you know, in the first few weeks of free agency. It's something that's going to take time to develop if it does happen. So I, I wouldn't say that that necessarily is going to be the next step, but it is the biggest priority this off season, as far as what comes next, you, you have to look at, you know, who, who's coming back next year because the nationals uh, as things stand right now, they only have five players who are due to make probably over a million dollars next year on the team. And that's Strasburg, that's Corbin, uh, Will Harris. Those are the only three with guaranteed contracts. And then you'll have Soto and bell uh, expected to make a little over between probably eight and 15 million between the two of them uh, in arbitration. You also have Joe Ross uh, who made 1.5 million this year. I would expect his future to be something the Nationals decide relatively quickly. Uh, he is due for his final year of arbitration this upcoming season, but given that he had his forearm issues, his UCL issues crop up again, uh, I would expect the Nationals to non-tender him and try to bring him back uh, on a lesser deal uh, to give themselves some more flexibility. But overall, the Nationals don't have a lot of money uh, committed to players next year. They have a lot of veterans, guys like Ocidas Escobar, Gerardo Parra, Ryan Zimmerman, all hitting free agency this offseason. So they're going to have to fill in a, a few gaps there. But I would say right now, uh, you know, figuring out who, the, who are the guys that you're going to be able to depend on next year, who are the guys you're going to want to give a chance to play on an everyday basis. I think those are going to be key decisions you have to make early on uh, so you can shape your offseason plan around that. And speaking of you have to see who's going to be coming back, um, Ryan Zimmerman had a pretty emotional moment today in the game. He's kind of been not really commenting on what his future is going to be. Um, kind of look like this might be the end, but do you think this is the end for Ryan Zimmerman or do you think Ryan Zimmerman comes back for one more season in 2022? You know, I think it's going to depend on what the Nationals do this offseason. If they are trying to put a competitive team on the field and when I say competitive, I don't necessarily mean a world beating, you know, hundred win team, but at least one that's going to make a run at, the, at a playoff spot, try to get in the wild card or with the NL East being what it is, perhaps that's not even needed. But, uh, you know, I, I would say that his decision, his mind's not made, uh, even though we saw what we saw today, it definitely looked like, as you said, he's probably going to be hanging up the cleats this offseason. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if that were the case, you know, he's 37, just turned uh, that five days ago, but you know, I've been waiting. He, he did not hit his 15th home run. He's been sitting on 14 for the last couple of weeks. And I've had this tweet in my drafts. So I was ready for it, but it never came. Uh, if he hit that 15th home run, he would have had 285 for his career, which would have meant if he had come back for his age 37 season next year and hit another 15, he would have hit 300 home runs for his career. And I know that's something that, that means something to, to Zim. He's talked about that in the past, how those milestones are important for him. Uh, and I think getting to 300 homers would be, you know, a nice thing to kind of hang your hat cap on uh, at the end of your career. But he would have to do it next year because I wouldn't imagine he'd come back in 2023 as well. So I think it's a question of whether he thinks he can do it. You know, he hit 14 this year in 110 games. So, uh, you know, with that pace, you'd think that he'd be able to do it again if he can maintain the power. Uh, but it definitely depends on what the Nationals do, how many gaps they fill in and, and what kind of role 
they would have for Zimmerman because, you know, he's a player who really only plays first base, uh, you know, obviously provides good power uh, as a righty off the bat going against left-handed pitching. But other than being a pinch hitter and a glove first uh, defensive first baseman, you know, you're really not getting a whole lot out of him. So if, if the DH is, is here next year, I would say it makes there a better chance, makes it easier for the Nationals to justify bringing him back. Uh, but if there is no DH. I think that does also make it a little bit more of a difficult situation. Uh, kind of opportune timing because it's being reported right now that Ryan Zerberman's whole family is out on the field with him taking pictures and he's still in full uniform and apparently no one else is around uh, as far as like players or anyone else. So definitely seems like it is, you know, a career for him, which no shame in that. I, I agree with you. 300 home runs would have been a cool thing for him to achieve. And obviously for us fans seeing, you know, Mr. National hitting that milestone and what, might not be all that great of a 2022 season. It would have been something to, you know, hang our, hang our hat on as fans, just like he could hang his hat on it as a player reaching that milestone. But looking at this team going forward, it looks good. There's, there's the pieces there that you can use as building blocks, but definitely needs more. I wanted to ask about Josh Bell because now season's done. We're approaching 2022, which would be his last year under contract. Is there any talk on a contract extension for him? Because he had a great year. I think he was extremely underrated all season long. People remember the like really slow start he got off to because of COVID and basically hit like under 100 in the first month of the season. So, you know, you take that out and just watch him rake the rest of the year. And it was awesome. But is there any contract extension talk for him? Because when he got asked about it like a month ago, whenever it was, he did not seem it, w- it wasn't the most promising news. I'll put it that way. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's in the Nationals immediate plans to extend Bell. Uh, you know, we, we saw his ups and downs this year, that big slump he had at the beginning of the season. You know, obviously he was great from then on. And overall, I think the trade can be viewed as a success considering how little they gave to the Pirates just to get him. And, and he turned out to hit 27 homers. Uh, you know, and have an 817 plus OPS this year. So, you know, that that's something that I think the Nationals have to hang their hat on and be happy about. But as far as looking forward, uh, you know, they, they don't, not really sure what their core is going to be yet. And before they want to invest more expensive uh, dollars into, uh, you know, a guy who's, he's going to be 29 next year. So he's not necessarily on the older side, uh, but you want to be careful now as you move into this next phase of the organization's future, as to how you're going to allocate your dollars. You already have a very significant amount uh, committed to Steven Strasburg and Patrick Corbin. That's 58.5 million just next year alone uh, between the two of them. Uh, And that's going to be a good chunk of your payroll. I expect the Nationals to have a smaller payroll, uh, you know, generally than they usually do, just considering they're not going all in, Uh, you know, probably wait, wait for that opportune moment to sign, you know, Soto. So you know how much money you're going to be able to, to work with moving forward. Or if you sign somebody in free agency, that's going to be a significant commitment. You know, how many dollars are you going to be able to work with and how many years are those guys going to be locked up for moving forward? So I would imagine that if Josh Bell does get extended, it's something that we see later on in the offseason. But, you know, I don't think that it's it's out of the question for sure. Uh, you know, he was really the only guy in that lineup who was giving considerable protection for Soto uh, for basically the entire second half. So uh, I, I would not be surprised if they did try to extend him, but it's the way we're, we're looking right now. I think they're still sorting things out, still trying to figure out what pieces they want to move forward with. And Bell is a guy who has a, a bit of a history of being streaky. So you're not sure if you want to really hitch yourself to a player who's going to be, you know, into his 30s in the next couple of years. Yeah, and that's it's going to be really interesting because as we talked about earlier, the Nats have a lot of holes and they kind of just have a lot of, well, we'll just see what they turn into guys around the diamond. They need help offensively. They need someone who's going to protect Juan Soto. And one of the best places to get that this offseason is shortstop. But most of the shortstops, except Javi Baez, are going to get a qualifying offer, which might take the Nats out of contention for those free agents. I don't really think they're going to want to lose a draft pick. I don't really blame them either. How do you think the Nats are going to approach that with some of these top free agents who would be significant boosts and be fantastic protection for Soto are going to be hit with a qualifying offer? Yeah, you know, I think that you're right in that the the qualifying offer for those players, guy like Trevor Story, uh, you know, it definitely makes it tough for the, to justify the Nationals 
signing those guys because they can't really afford to be giving up draft picks where they're at right now. They need to, to build a farm system. That's the most important thing. Uh, you know, so it, it's going to, they're going to have to get creative with it. I would imagine that they're not going to go super crazy, uh, you know, signing a ton of guys. I, I would expect if they do sign one multi-year deal, they could add a bat to somebody to add to that, that offensive mix. Uh, you know, a guy like maybe Chris Bryant, I, I know we toss his name around with the Nats a lot, but he's somebody who could slide into left field right away. And then if Carter Keboom doesn't pan out at third base, you can move him in, uh, you know, and, and kind of be flexible with that. You know, and he's obviously got the, the veteran presence uh, that you'd want to bring in uh, to the Nationals clubhouse at a point where they have so many young guys. Um, but, you know, overall, it's I think that they have a lot of different ways they can go. And I expect the Nationals to be a team that's more into the signing guys to one-year deals type offseason plan, just because if it doesn't pan out next year, they could just flip those guys at the deadline like they did this year uh, and then really hone in on competing again in 2023. So uh, this is a, a pretty stacked free agent class as far as recent ones go, but you also have to con consider that we don't know what the CBA is going to look like. It expires uh, at the end of the year this year. So we really have to kind of see how the labor negotiations go between MLB and the players union, whether or not there's going to be a lockout, how that affects the luxury tax and things like that. Um, and so we may see a lot of big name free agents not even get signed early on the off season, just because there's so much uncertainty. Yeah. And that definitely puts a lot into question that was already in question with how the Nats were going to approach this off season and you know, how long it's going to take. Cause that's what really most fans are looking towards. And obviously I'm sure most uh, fans of rebuilding teams are looking towards when is my team going to be good again? Looking at this team, you know, we have Juan Soto as really the one building block. There's definitely arguments to be made for other players, uh, but he's the only proven sure thing right now. And that's not enough. We saw the 10 years Mike Trout has spent in uh, Anaheim and he's had one playoff appearance. So you can't do it all alone. When is a realistic time frame for this team to be competitive again? Because it's hard to do it all in one offseason. I don't think it's realistic in any uh, organization to completely turn around, go from what 66 wins to what they need 92 in one offseason. It would certainly take some, uh, some <laughs> improvements from, uh, from some of these young guys. But what's a realistic? Uh, time frame for this team to kind of get back yeah you know it, it's going to depend on I think next year and and the guys that we see get called up to the major leagues how quickly they're able to get up there how immediate of an impact they make uh, you know I don't think I don't expect next year to be a banner season for the Nationals I don't expect them to be a hundred loss team they'll probably be, be better than they were this year just because a lot of things broke the wrong way for them this year and you know, they hopefully won't have another COVID outbreak to start the year where they start off, you know, hitting, you know, I think it was 195 as a team over the first two weeks of the season. So, you know, that put them in a hole early. I would expect things to go a little bit better. Uh, you know, they, they try the one-year deals again, got try to fill in the gaps, and maybe they hit on a few more guys than they did this past year. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be hard to do to win more games next year. But as far as being truly competitive, you know, I, I would think that 2023 is the goal right now. Uh, but, you know, it's going to depend. Can Josiah Gray, you know, build off of this last start that he made and come back next year and be a dependable guy uh, in the rotation and not the guy that we saw give up a ton of home runs, you know, down the stretch this season? Is is Cade Cavalli going to come up quickly? Is he going to start the year of the minor leagues? Uh, or is he going to be somebody who might see in spring training competing for a roster spot? Uh, you know, is Lane Thomas for real? Is Riley Adams somebody who can be plugged in uh, in a prominent way? Is just Kbert Ruiz going to be an, an everyday star contributor like we expect him to be uh, as one of the top catching prospects in all of baseball. You know, there's a lot of question marks with this team. So it's, it's kind of hard right now to, to put a definite timeline. But I do think that what they do this offseason, both signing one-year deals and whether or not they find another bat to, to sign to a somewhat, you know, middle-of-the-road contract uh, could do. You know, what if they want to bring back Kyle Schwarber? Uh, in a three-year, $35 million deal. That's about what Daniel Murphy got from the Nationals back in the day. Uh, is that something that might be of interest to him? That could be something that could fast-forward a rebuild, or perhaps Marcus Simeon. Uh, it doesn't grade out well at shortstop defensively, uh, but that might be where the Nationals would have to play him. Uh, you know, the qualifying offer situation is something that you mentioned and, and could come into play there. But, you know, overall, it, it does depend on just how these guys develop and, and who they decide to bring in to help. Um, Kyle Schwarber does not speed up a rebuild but that's a separate conversation for a separate day um but 
we're going to change gears a little bit because 162 games are over and it is finally time for playoff baseball. We're going to have fans in the crowd again. That's going to add to it. There are some pretty good storylines. Um, we potentially had a four-way tie, but that didn't happen. We do get Yankees, Red Sox, Car uh, Cardinals, Dodgers for both wildcard games. Max has been named the starter for the Dodgers. The Red Sox and Yankees named uh, Nathan Eovaldi and Garrett Cole as their starters for that. Um, MLB is probably pretty happy because both these games have four historic franchises pretty big baseball markets probably going to rake in the ratings cash for this but what is your prediction for the wild card games and what are you most excited about as the playoffs begin uh my prediction is that the cardinals stay hot and they beat the dodgers which will cause absolute pandemonium uh, and people calling for the head of the wild card game uh, there might be a little bit of personal bias in there because I think the wildcard game should be a three-game series. But uh, I do think that, uh, you know, with the way Scherzer has pitched these last two outings, he's looked a little shaky out there. Uh, Wainwright has just continued to defy, uh, you know, all expectations this year, doing it at the age he is. He's even older than Scherzer, uh, which is just, you know, a marvel to think about. And, and with how well the, the Cardinals are playing, you know, sometimes it's not about how many wins you have. It's just how, how much you've been winning lately. Uh, and the Cardinals are rolling right now. So I think I think they're the team I would pick to upset the Dodgers in the wildcard game. Uh, and then in the American League, Garrett Cole being on the mound for New York just does it for me, even though they'll be in Fenway Park. Uh, you know, Nathan Ovaldi has been a pretty solid pitcher, especially in the second half this year. Uh, so I, he definitely gives the Red Sox a chance. Uh, and with the offense that they have, they certainly uh, can put up runs in bunches, but so can the Yankees. And, you know, this is a, a bit of a toss up, but with Cole being on the mound, I think that's the biggest difference maker for me. Uh, so overall, you know, for the playoffs, I think I'm, I'm just excited to, to see, I don't know, my, my midseason prediction was Giants-White Sox uh, in the World Series with the White Sox beating the Giants. And while that might not be the most popular pick now, I think that those two teams just are a lot of fun to watch. I love their, their pitching rotations uh, that they got going. I think they're very underrated uh, and are going to be their biggest strengths uh, in the postseason. So I feel good about those predictions. I'm sticking with them uh, and I'm excited to see you know, some of the best arms in the game go out there because, you know, just watching the Nash Nationals growing up, watching the Nationals, I've always just kind of been drawn to, to amazing pitching. Uh, and that's exactly what those two teams have. And it'll be nice to watch legitimate competitive baseball because as Nats fans, and I'm sure you, I mean, you've had to literally stick through it. That's your job. Like you, you've had to watch this team <laughs> for it's, the past two months. It's been an experience. <laughs> you are a true professional now. Like you've been through it all. Uh, so kudos to you, but uh, last year it was Randy or Rosarena just having an insane postseason, and plus, obviously, we got you know, eight eight teams on each side making it. So it was just pure joy to see. But what are some storylines you think, or maybe we'll call it like bold predictions? Do you do you think anyone goes on a run? Does Max Scherzer go? Steven Strasburg does. You know, is there a, another Randy Rosarena coming up that just hits twelve home runs in a playoff series? Like anything like that? You you want to call your shot on? I will say that I think uh, Austin Riley is going to announce himself with some authority. He's a guy that really doesn't get talked about enough. Uh, well, Bra Braves fans thinks he's thinks he's at the MVP. So I, I mean, don't know what you're talking about. I don't know that he doesn't I'm, get talked about. If I'm putting him in that, well, it's the Braves fans we're talking about. It. That's the key. <laughs> uh, but you know, he had 33 home runs this year. He's a guy who, you know, with Acuna going down, with Marcelo Zuna not being available for this team, you kind of counted the Braves out at a certain point this year. Uh, where you had the the Mets at the top of the division, you had the Phillies who had been playing well for a bit, uh, and you felt like the Braves were going to kind of fade, uh, and Mike Soroka being another guy who they haven't had this year at all. Uh, you know, those are three big names for this team, and yet they were able to persevere, and a, and a big part of that was Austin Riley stepping up. You know, he was kind of more of a platoon bat uh, for most of his career, 2019-2020, leading up to this year. He was a guy who was really only used against lefties because he just wasn't hitting right-handed pitching well, but he really revamped his swing, his approach, uh, and became a more complete hitter, uh, you know, hitting over 302 this year too. He was, you know, coming into this year, only hitting around 240 as a, as a player. So he's really just stepped it up overall in his offensive game. And I think he's, he's going to be hitting a few bombs, uh, at least in that first round series. So I think the most important question, honestly, is what stupid thing is, Dusty Baker going to do that cost <laughs> the Astros a chance at the World Series because he's going to do something very stupid. We have seen it far too often. Yeah, it's 
<laughs> that's why he's the player, the first manager to win the division with you know, five different teams. It's because the first four, uh, despite him winning the division, were willing to to move on from him. So you know that that's pretty telling uh, for what he's done in the, in the postseason in the past. Uh, you know, I don't know if if I can even make a prediction because Dusty will do some pretty wacky things. Uh, so it's just going to have to be an experience. We're going to have to wait for and see. Oh, Dusty, Dusty logic is just <laughs> it's, it's a whole different thing. Oh man. I mean, I guess it's better to win the division and make the playoffs than to not at all, <laughs> if that's the way you want to spin it. But yeah, there's a reason Dusty's uh, been on five different teams. That's for sure. Uh, last question I got for you of all the teams that didn't make the playoffs, what's the team you're most looking forward to watching or, you know, keeping an eye on in 2022? Is there a team that, you know, just missed maybe the blue Jays or the Mariners or a team that, maybe no one expects uh, that can make a run for 2022. Yeah, I'll give you two teams. Uh, The one that that was close was, as you mentioned, the Blue Jays, Uh, you know, fifth highest run differential in all of baseball. You know, they go and win 90 games and it's not good enough to to make the the playoffs, which is just absolutely absurd. Uh, You know, I I think that this Blue Jays team is honestly one of the most fun teams to watch all this year. And, you know, Mm -hmm. they obviously didn't make the playoffs. And I was I was pretty disappointed about that, you know, rooting for the Nationals to win today just for the Blue Jays to force a 163 after they got that win. But ultimately, it wasn't enough. You know, the bats that they have, uh, you know, Vladdy and Marcus Semien, who is a free agent after this year. But Teoscar Hernandez, they brought in George Springer over the offseason, who missed a lot of time, but was still very effective when he was on the field. Lourdes Goriel crazy is a series. player. Yeah, I know. Guriel is a player who doesn't get talked about enough. He's only 27 uh, and he hit a good 21 home runs this year. So, you know, that, that lineup is just so fun to watch. I think that a big priority for them is going to be to try to bring back Robbie Ray this off season uh, with the way that he's shown out for them. But even if he doesn't come back, you know, they have Hyunjin Ryu locked up, even though he kind of took a step back this year, he's still a guy that, you know, I would, I would guess could go out next year and still give you six quality innings each outing. Uh, you know, Alec Manoa looked like a, a budding star. Uh, Jose Barrios is a guy who has year of control next year as well. So he'll be back. So that rotation, although they might lose Robbie Ray, who is going to be a top two, maybe even the winner of the AL Cy Young this year. You know, I think this is a team that you have to watch out for next year, especially if they can rebuild that bullpen, because that was the biggest issue. Uh, my other team uh, that I think that deserves uh, some attention is the Detroit Tigers. Uh, you know, this is a mm-hmm. team that went out and won 76 games this year. Uh, which isn't a lot, you know, obviously not a winning record or by any means, but uh, they have AJ Hinch come in and really just get this team to start playing as if they have something to play for, because they've been rebuilding for so many years now. Uh, They've really been struggling to put a a competitive product on the field, Uh, but they go out and and get guys like Robbie Grossman having a a solid season. Akil Badu uh, was a bit up and down, but still finished with a 115 OPS plus. Uh, You know, they have Casey Mize and Tariq Skubal, uh, as the future of that rotation and, and many more pitching prospects uh, coming up the pipeline. So I think that they have a lot of good pieces. I think they're going to be a team that if they can add uh, some guys over the offseason, be aggressive, uh, you know, they could could make a run at a wild card next year. It's not like the, the American League Central is really a tough division at all. Uh, so there's plenty of opportunity for them if they can take a step forward uh, and be a competitive team. So I'm on the lookout for the Tigers this offseason and what they uh, start building toward in 2022. I already did my bold prediction about the Tigers. <laughs> um, but while I'm on the subject of bold, you know, we like to end on a more fun question. And with the offseason about, well, who knows when the offseason is going to start because the CBA expires on December 1st, and that might be the end of baseball forever. But what is your one bold prediction for the offseason, whether it's CBA related, free agency, trades, anything? Wow. Um, well, I'll say in the not very bold category, the rule changes I expect to happen, DH will be brought to the National League. I think the season will be shortened. I think that will do away with seven inning double headers and the extra inning rules. Um, so baseball will look a little bit normal in that regard. Um, but uh, as one offseason move uh, that I expect, I think that Marcus Stroman, uh, man. Get <laughs> a lot of people have been saying uh he doesn't have a qualifying a fit, but offer. i don't i don't think the nationals can can go and put uh, you know 20 plus more million a season into another pitcher and i think that's what that's what stroman's going to come in i'm going to say that he finishes with a top three contract in terms of length uh this offseason i don't think he's necessarily considered 
one of the top three arms to be available. Um, but I think that he is going to sign with a National League East team. Uh, and that's my prediction. He'll go for over $100 million, uh, with an NL East team, whether it be returning to the Mets. I think that the Braves uh, could be very Future interested Nat. in him. Um, <laughs> I, think, I might even put the Nats fourth on that list. He's signing for, for pitching. He's signing a one-year, $2 million contract to play in D.C. He yes. wants to play with his best friend Juan Soto and uh, Josiah Gray. The only man he fears, truly. Exactly. <laughs> he will do anything. Um, but one note, I think the seven-inning doubleheader stays because the players like it. Boo. We're all, I, they're they're going to shorten seasons. So I think that they get you know, 154 games, 162. You can do away with seven-inning doubleheaders. That's, just that's true. It's, I, th- I think it's going to be ugly as hell because the minor league pay is going to be a part of it. So... I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, hopefully, we have baseball on time in 2022. <laughs> February 26, 2022. That's when the Nationals are set to <laughs> open their spring training schedule. So, hopefully, we get to that point with no hiccups. Well, you know, we keep talking about how good the free agent class is, and who knows when the first free agent's going to sign because none of them are going to sign until the league minimum set. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of waiting. <laughs> um, Matt. Pleasure as always having you on. This is our last interview with you of the regular season. We'll have you on throughout the off season because the CBA is going to get ugly and there's going to be a lot of art stories coming from that. Um, once again, you guys can give Matt a follow on Twitter at by Matt Wyrick and head on over to ABC Sports Washington to check out all of Matt's latest pieces. Matt, thank you so much, man. And uh, let's just enjoy the playoffs. Absolutely, guys. That's right. Later, Matt. Once again, thank you so much, Matt, for coming on. It was another great season of interviewing best friend Matt Wyrick. You guys can give him a follow on Twitter once again at by Matt Wyrick. And keep on looking out for more interviews with him as we progress into the offseason, which should be a very interesting one with the new CBA. Yeah, if we get the next season at all, we just should be grateful. <laughs> yes, they're saying we don't have, I saw somebody tweet today. I think it might have been Matt. Like we won't have another, um, you know, Nats game until February 22nd, 2022. And I'm thinking to myself, maybe <laughs> we'll see what happens. But yeah, I don't have high hopes. I'm a little worried about the CBA negotiations. So anything else before we get out of here, Ryan? I think you muted yourself. having slight technical issues but i believe i am good now <laughs> we can hear you anything else no um let's just enjoy wild card weekend the game's gonna be absolutely wild and get ready for the playoffs because there's nothing better than playoff baseball and i am so excited yeah me too it's also of course hockey and football but playoff baseball is its own reward i love it so much all right well thank you guys as always for listening we appreciate you so much Please make sure you follow us on Twitter. You can follow Ryan at We Are All Shack. You can follow Nick, even though he's not here with us right now, at Nationals Ace. You can follow me at A White 7877 and the show at Half ST High Heat. And uh, make sure you're checking out the website. There has been so much good content, and there's going to be even more um, as the playoffs progress at HalfStreetHighHeat.com. And uh, you'll get the episodes of the podcast there, lots of articles, and much, much more. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later. The early light of dawn, well, you can see they're running scared. Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air. Tell the Library of Congress that they might not wanna look. Cause we're putting curly W's in every book. Let's go, Nats. We've got a game to play. We're gonna win today. Let's go. 
Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.